0: Hey, if you missed my message last week, I introduced everyone to our youngest daughter, Izzy. Uh, This is her. (laughs) This was her choice of photo, by the way. I told a story last week about Izzy making her lunches ready for school the next day. And at Izzy, she can get quite distracted. And so I will set her off making her lunch and I'll turn away and come back and find her doing handstands against the wall or practising splits in the lounge or sometimes even sowing seeds in the garden. But my point was, and my point remains, it would be difficult if you walked in halfway through her making her lunch to know what she was meant to be doing. And I challenged each of us to consider if someone watched your life like a movie and had to guess the mission you've been given, what would they guess? Would the mission that you've been given be clear? If you're a follower of Jesus or a Christian, you have been given a mission. We have been given a mission. And in this Mission Possible series, I want to start by reading the mission again. It's found in Matthew 28, starting from verse 18. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And surely if we're engaging well with the mission, the evidence should be clear in our lives, right? And as followers of Jesus, he is our ultimate example He is the one we are modelling ourselves on and trying to become more like. And so in this series that we've called Mission Possible, we're looking at a few verses in Matthew 9 where we consider just how Jesus did this. So let's read the verses. It's the same verses in each of the three weeks of this series. So hopefully you'll get familiar with them. But it's Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Last week, we talked about how we must go where people are. This was the challenge I set was to go away and bless three people and eat with three people and to do that every week for the next month. And so I wonder how's that gone for you this week? What stories do you have to share about what you did I love to bake and so that was an easy way for me to think of blessing people and so I baked some cookies for Izzy's school teachers and took them in and Izzy said um, she had teachers coming up to her all day thanking her for the delicious cookies. I took some cookies around to a family from East who had COVID this week. And um, there's a lady that I know from community dinner and we had a conversation on Wednesday night about lemons and how much she loves them. And so I have a lemon tree. And so I'm going to take some lemons around to her this weekend. And it's been such a joy for me this week to be thinking actively, how can I bless people? What can I do? And community dinner had a new intentionality for me on Wednesdays. I thought about who are the three people I can eat with? Who can I sit and have a conversation with and enjoy time with? So I wonder what have you done? If you're in one of our gatherings right now, um, you might want to pause the message here and take a few minutes to talk with the people around you. Tell each other the stories of who you've blessed and who you've eaten with this week. If you're watching online, we'd love to hear the stories. We'd love to hear the creative ideas that you've had, how it's gone, and um, maybe what's surprised you about what you've got up to this week. And if you haven't started, don't worry. It's not too late. there's always this week, so I'd encourage you to get on, on with that. But this week, we're going to focus in on the next part of verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Jesus proclaimed the good news. And so today's message is called Proclaim Good News. I've heard people say that they don't tell people about Jesus because they don't need to, because they do good and kind things to people. They're going to show people how much God loves them by the kindness that they show. They believe their kindness and generosity demonstrates God's love to people, so there's no need to tell them anything. But Kevin Harney, a pastor in the States who wrote a book called Organic Outreach, he once said something that has stuck with me He said, good deeds lead to goodwill, which leads to good news. You see, kindness is crucial. I've just encouraged us, haven't I, to be intentional about being kind, to set ourselves a goal to make sure it's a priority. And so I'm not against kindness, but kindness doesn't save people. It's the gospel that saves people. It's the good news about Jesus Christ that saves people. That's what that word gospel means. It's a Bible word, um, but it just means good news. And so as much as kindness often can and does lead to an opportunity to share the good news, it's believing in the message of Jesus that saves someone. And Jesus lived a life of kindness to people, but he also constantly proclaimed the good news. And I wonder if your kindness did lead to an opportunity. Maybe this afternoon someone asked you, what do you believe about Jesus? I wonder if you'd know what to say. If you thought about now, what would my answer be? Give yourself a score out of 10 on how confident you would be in a clear and simple answer that you could give I know I have room for improvement and so that's what we're going to do today because if our mission is to go and make disciples and the thing that saves people is the message is the good news then surely this should be near the top of the list of the things that we're confident to do right And so as we consider this, I want to talk to two things today. I think it comes down to expectation and preparation. When you expect something, you act differently, right? I don't think we have these signs in New Zealand, but we have them in the UK. In the UK, the police very kindly warn you when a speed camera is coming up by putting up a sign. Such an English thing to do, right? Um, And so when you're expecting a speed camera, you slow down to below the speed limit. I know none of you probably know what I'm talking about because you never drive above the speed limit, so you would never experience that phenomenon. But just imagine with me, if you see a speed camera sign, you adjust your behavior based on your expectation of what is ahead. You know, how often do I start the day, how often do you start the day with an expectation that you will get an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus today? I sometimes pray for people at the start of the day. But do I pray for people I'm actually going to see that day and speak to that day? And do I expect that God wants me to reveal himself to them, wants to use me to reveal himself to them? Now, if you're expecting something to happen, wouldn't you want to prepare for it, especially if it's something important? Has anyone ever seen the show Dragon's Den? Is that a show that is in New Zealand? Yeah? Um, If you haven't, it's where entrepreneurs take their um, budding product or business idea to a panel of rich people, basically, with a hope that someone will invest in their idea. And the... The most successful Dragon's Den episodes that I've seen or the most successful ideas that I've seen are the people who have come super prepared for their pitch. They have all their numbers in order, they've brought along interesting and relevant props to show, they've anticipated the questions that are going to be asked them by the dragons and they have clear, confident and accurate answers. If you're expecting to present a pitch on Dragon's Den, you make sure you've prepared, wouldn't you? And so if Jesus has commissioned us to go and tell everyone the good news about him, shouldn't we expect that we might get an opportunity at some point to do that? And so let's think about how we can be prepared for those opportunities that we're expecting to come. The first thing in that preparation is, um, the obvious question is, what is the gospel? If we're going to share this good news, this message of the gospel, we need to know how to articulate it clearly, don't we? There's lots of tools out there to help you share it simply and clearly. And I'm I'm just going to share two things with you that might help. Um, the first thing is, You may have seen this book, Organic Outreach. I already mentioned Kevin Harney. It's an incredible book to read to to equip you in reaching out to people in your world. But the last chapter in this book is devoted to sharing the good news about Jesus. It's got lots of practical ideas, practical ways to share the gospel message with people. Um, And I believe we've actually got some copies of this at church that you could borrow if you wanted to. Or I'd strongly encourage you to buy a copy and um, keep it. It's such a great thing to have. But personally, for me, the way I love to share the gospel is using a visual-based approach called the four points. Um, It looks like this. And you can find it on the fourpoints.com website. And each of those symbols represents something. The heart represents that God loves me more than I will ever likely comprehend. And he loves you too. The cross, the I've got it wrong cross. Represents I have sinned. Every person who has ever lived apart from Jesus has done wrong. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. So that literally means the payment we receive for the sin that we've done is death. Not physical death because we all die, but spiritual death. But the the next symbol on here, the cross, the crucifixion cross, it stands for Jesus died for me and rose again from the dead. Sin, because sin deserves death, in order for us to have a substitute die on our behalf, it had to be someone who was perfect, who didn't deserve to die in his own right. And Jesus was perfect. Jesus, the son of God, came from heaven and lived on this earth a perfect life so that he could die as a substitute for us. He died on behalf of you and I. And then after three days, he rose from the dead, proving he really was God and creating a permanent solution for sin. And the final symbol, the question mark, it stands for I need to decide. God has done his part. And it wasn't fair because we didn't deserve it. But he did it because he loves us. That's how much he loves us. But now it's offered to you as a free gift. It's your choice. I don't have to earn it, but it's also not forced on me. I need to choose to receive that gift. And these are the key truths that make up the gospel But I don't think it means that we should learn a script and be ready to recite it at any possible sign of an opportunity. Because as I think through how to prepare to proclaim good news, and I think about some of the things we see as Jesus proclaimed good news, I want you to think rap, not... (laughs) I'm not saying I want you to wrap the gospel, but I wondered if this might be a memorable thing to help you remember what I'm saying. The R stands for responsive. Have you ever talked to a child who hasn't quite got the knack of a conversation yet? You might say to them, hey, how's your day been? And they answer, I like cake. <laughs> it's kind of an odd conversation because they haven't really listened to what you're asking. But I think there's a the danger Christians can be like that when we're trying to share the gospel with people. We can be so focused on what we want to say, so focused on getting it right and saying the right words that we don't even listen to what's going on for someone or even, ask, even listen to what they're asking and answer. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. And this is where that phrase that Kevin Harney said comes in. This is where good deeds leads to goodwill, leads to good news. We're to live our lives in such a way that stands out. We're to act differently. We're to speak differently. We're to walk differently. We're meant to stand out from the crowd And as that causes people to ask questions about why, we're to be ready with an answer for the hope that we have. There are choices I make about what I do and where I go and how I act that aren't because I'm anything special. They're not because I'm a really good person, but they're because I realized as a young person that Jesus really was who he said he was. After all, if he isn't the son of God, then isn't he a crazy person? Because he went around telling people he was the son of God. I've experienced him working in my life. I've seen him answer prayers and provide miraculously. And so because the Bible says that he wants me to follow him and become more like him, I'm committed to prioritising things in my life that he would want me to do. That's the reason I live the way I do. When I go to the effort of blessing someone, it's not so that I get a blessing in return or so that they think I'm really amazing. I do it because I know that God loves them so much. And if I can communicate in some small way his love for them and his value that he holds them in, then isn't that an amazing thing? And so as we go through different difficult circumstances as Christians and we're able to hang on to hope and have peace in the midst of really hard things... I can explain to someone how that's possible, and that's powerful. So that's responsive. The A is adaptable. Sharing the gospel is not one-size-fits-all. Jesus changed the way he shared the good news with people, depending on who he was talking to. When Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, they were at a well, and so he talked about water and how he was the living water with which she would never thirst again. When Nicodemus came at night and asked him if he was from God, Jesus said the words that so many of us will have learned as a memory verse. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus spoke those words to Nicodemus. You see, Jesus adapted how he shared the good news depending on who he, who he was talking to. An exercise I've done before that might be helpful for you to think this through is um, you might have people that you're praying for, people who you'd love to come to know Jesus. I'd encourage you to think, if one of those people, think a specific person, if one of them came and asked you today, what do you believe about Jesus, how would you share the good news with them? What would be the details that would be relevant to them? What would be the things that might be interesting for them? and prepare it and prepare to do it in under two minutes because no one wants a long speech, do they? And so that's a challenge that I really believe will help you in your preparation to to proclaim the good news. The third one is personal. People can read the facts about Jesus on the internet, but what you can do is share who Jesus is for you. Stories of our experiences are so disarming. When I share a story about my life, that doesn't threaten anyone. It's unlikely to offend someone. Your friends aren't super interested in the theory about why they should believe in Jesus. They're probably not even really interested in what your pastor says about Jesus. But they are interested in your life. And they are interested in your experience. And so, your story is powerful, and I want you to remember that as we're thinking about preparation. You have a story to share. You don't need to learn that. You already have it inside you, and so use it. You know, years ago, I was the um, debt center manager for our CAP debt center. And as I was thinking through this message, I realized, wow, I've experienced what it's like when expectation and preparation come together. And it's powerful because when I was the captain, center manager, um, I used to go and visit clients and we were trained to share the gospel with with the client on the first visit. That was one of the things that we had to do in that meeting. And that was expectation. I wasn't going wondering whether I might get an opportunity. I knew I was going to create an opportunity. And that meant I went prepared. I went um, thinking about what's the question I'm going to ask to open a door to this conversation. What will I actually say when the time comes? Because if I hadn't been prepared, I would have failed every time. That I wouldn't have taken the opportunity when it came up and I wouldn't have known what to say. But because I expected the opportunity and I took preparation seriously, I genuinely shared the gospel with every client I visited. Absolutely, yes, I believe the Holy Spirit can give us the words to say in a moment. But imagine if we give him a foundation to work with. Just imagine what he might do through you and I. And so as you continue this week to bless three people, at least one of whom is not yet a Christian, and eat with three people, at least one of whom is not yet a Christian, why not combine it with what you've heard today? Pray for opportunities. Expect an opportunity. Prepare for the opportunity. Let's go where people are and let's proclaim good news. I just want to finish by reading Romans 1.16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. Can can we just allow that to encourage us today? The power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. It's like, um, as we've been given this mission, I, I keep imagining um, Mission Impossible with Tom Right? It's like we've been given this secret weapon, this secret tool. God says, this is the thing. This is the thing that's going to unlock it for people. This is, the, this is the powerful tool that we have. And if you're watching this today and you're not a Christian, you've heard me share the good news of Jesus today. And I want to encourage you to seriously think about it. If you believe it's true, all you need to do is receive it as a free gift. And so if you know a Christian, they're a great person to talk to if you'd like to know how to take a next step. If you don't know any, any Christians but you're gathered in one of our gatherings today, talk to someone before you leave. If you're at home watching this online and you don't know any Christians, we'd love to talk to you. Please email us. We'd, we'd really love to help you take your next steps. And even look up the website that I talked about earlier, thefourpoints.com. There's so much more information on there about what this message of good news is and how to take your next steps. But I just want to pray as we finish today. Um, Yeah, so why don't you close your eyes and join me as I pray. Father, I just thank you so much that we can... We can even say today that you love us and not love us in a small way, but you love us so much that you sent your son to die in our place so that, we could, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be saved, so that we could know what it is to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those watching this message today who are considering becoming a Christian. Lord, I pray that you give them courage today to ask someone to take that next step, to receive that gift from you. Lord, give them courage to speak to you today. And Lord, I pray for those who are Christians today. I pray pray for myself as well. God, would you give us such a conviction about the power of this tool that you've given us, this message of the gospel. And I pray that as we go where people are, that we would proclaim the message wherever we go. And Lord, I pray that we would be expectant and we would be prepared and that we would take this mission seriously. And so I pray, Lord, would you um, fill us with your Holy Spirit, fill us with power, fill us with um, love for people, fill us with a commitment to live out this mission that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.